Everyone loves an underdog. In our culture today, there are a lot of underdog stories. The guy least likely to be something or someone whose life's turned upside down and surprisingly suddenly turns into something that no one expected. Let me give you a few examples. In the movies, you remember Rocky Balboa? Rocky, small-time boxer, becomes the world heavyweight champion. Or some of you will remember in sports, 1980, the U.S. Olympic hockey team, filled with college students and amateurs, took on the favored Soviets and upset them from one of the greatest upsets in sports history. And then some of you will know of the story of Seabiscuit. Small horse, not expected much of anything, and yet during the Great Depression was a great diversion and turned out to win tons of races against bigger and stronger horses. Well, Christianity has its own underdog stories. You know, most famous of which, David and the great giant Goliath. The shepherd boy takes on the great Philistine giant and defeats him. Well, how about this? Would it be shocking for an outcast like a leper to become a public evangelist? How would that even be possible? How can a leper go from being an outcast to someone who's telling others about Jesus? Well, we're looking at the Gospel of Mark, and if you on an electronic device, or if you've got a physical copy of a Bible, I want you to turn there, because I'm going to walk us through this text, and it'll help you to have your Bible or app or phone or whatever it is you're looking at, open as I walk through verse by verse this section of Scripture. We're considering the story of the leper, the social outcast, someone who no one would expect anything from. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45, when I teach, it's useful to have the text open in front of you as we walk through it together. Here's what I want for you today to come to Jesus desperate, to come to him desperate. If we're desperate, we'll be prepared to see our need for a Savior. By faith, we'll run to Jesus because we're a needy people. This morning, we're going to examine this encounter of a social outcast, a leper, who goes to Jesus. The leper's uncleanliness forces him to be separated from the temple which is where God's people gather to worship the Lord, and from his community with all his friends and family who matters to him. How can this leper go from being a social outcast to a public evangelist? Well, we're going to walk through this story, and we're going to notice four things. Here's our outline for this morning. Number one, the leper's desperate confidence. That's going to be verse 40. Number two, Jesus' compassionate cleansing. That's going to be verse 41 and 42. Number three, Jesus' visible vindication, verses 43 and 44. And number four, Jesus is an outcast for us, verse 45. So in the congregation in D.C., if I don't give an outline, they will rebel against us. They're so used to outlines, they're programmed to get some kind of outline. So you can get used to an outline from me. It, It gives you a trellis to just kind of hang on as we walk through the text, hopefully to help you remember it later on as you're going away and having conversations with each other. Just to say a few things about this outline. Number one, we'll examine the character of the leper in that first point. In coming to understand his desperate confidence there in verse 40. Number two, 
We're going to see then the character of Jesus as we witness his compassionate cleansing of the leper in verse 41-42. Point number three, we'll see the leper's healing and cleansing go public. There is a visible vindication of Jesus' gospel work and a chance to confront the priests about their unbelief. Verse 43 and 44, and then finally, point four, we'll see the healed and cleansed leper converted into evangelist, maybe even for the wrong reasons. You'll see what I mean by that in just a moment. And we'll see the consequence of the leper's disobedience. Jesus becomes an outcast for us. Verse 45. Now, I just want to take a moment. I want to give you a little bit of background on the idea of being clean and unclean, because that's not common language for us to use with each other in modern day 2023 to talk about being clean or unclean. So when you see the word leprosy in the Bible, you should not think of Hansen's disease, the modern day term for leprosy. Instead, you should think of any kind of chronic skin disease. Now, in a hot environment, if you don't treat skin disease, it creates a miserable life, something that's debilitating and very painful. The ceremonial law is the law that describes the ceremonies and worship in the Old Testament. The priests were the keepers and enforcers of that law. Why does God give ceremonial laws? Well, the Lord is teaching through the blunt instrument of the law that there is something deficient and wrong within us and that we can only be made whole through Him. This ceremonial law declared certain people to be unclean. That was another way of saying, there's something wrong with you. That's what the terminology of unclean meant. There's something wrong in your life. There are a lot of reasons why the law might condemn you as unclean. Maybe you touched the body of a dead animal. Maybe you violated some sexual boundary. Or in the case of this leper, you had a skin disease. Now notice, the leper doesn't ask for a healing for a skin disease. It's interesting, isn't it? That's what you'd expect of him. He asked to be cleansed. Why is that? If you were unclean, you lived as an outcast from the temple, which means you you didn't get to go to the meeting place where God is present on earth. And you're an outcast also from the Israelite community. So there was a a stigma. There was a rejection that came from being unclean. There are few more terrible things to Jewish ears than to hear the priest declare you as unclean. The leper wants to be healed of his disease, but even more so, he wants to be declared clean by the priest. If he was clean, he could then be a part of the temple worship, and then he could gather with the community. So how can the leper go from being a social outcast to a public evangelist? Point number one, we take note of the leper's desperate confidence, verse 40. Look down there at verse 40 with me. Notice the leper's heart posture. He was desperate for help. He came to Jesus despite the fact that the ceremonial law told him to stay away. The NET translation says he fell on his knees asking for help. Now, do you come to Jesus desperate today, if you're prideful, if you're full of yourself, well, you don't need a Savior, do you? But if you come desperate, if you come knowing that you're in need, then a Savior's ready for you, to rescue you. 
Notice the if in verse 40. If you are willing, and then the then is implied. So what we have there in verse 40 is an if-then conditional statement. The leper is asking for Jesus' help, and he's confident that Jesus has the power to cleanse. Why is he confident? Well, just look up a few verses in the rest of chapter 1. Look what happened right before in chapter 1. You'll notice Jesus heals the man with the unclean spirit. That's verse 21 there to verse 28. Then you'll see Jesus heals many, which first includes healing Simon's mother-in-law of her fever, and then he healed many who were sick and cast out of demons. Surely the leper had heard much about all of the things that Jesus had done, and they were evidence to him of Jesus' power. There's no doubt in the leper's mind, then, that Jesus can make him clean. It's not, can you make me clean? That is, Jesus, do you have the ability to make me clean? Do you have the power to change my life? Do you, can you really do this for me? No, actually, he's confident that Jesus can change everything in his life. Some of us come today doubting Jesus' ability to change our life. Are you confident in Jesus' power? Or have you come this morning wondering if Jesus can do any good for you? Jesus said to the storm, be still. And the waters were calm. And Jesus said to the dead man, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out of the grave. Lazarus came from the tomb. Should there be any doubt in our minds? Absolutely not. So if you're struggling with doubt today, you wonder if Jesus has the power, if Jesus can change anything, I want you this afternoon to talk to another Christian and ask them to tell you about Jesus' resurrection power. Just have a good conversation about Jesus being raised from the dead and what that means in terms of Jesus' power to change everything, including conquering death. If Jesus has the power to change anything, he can make this leper clean and learn from this leper His desperation is a key ingredient to faith. The law and the priests were powerless to heal the leper from a skin disease. Leviticus 13 and 14 describe the background laws related to skin diseases like leprosy. In Leviticus 14, the priests can pronounce you as clean and atone for your sin only after you're healed of your disease. The the priest can't heal you. That's really important to understand. The priest can't heal you. The leper had faith in Jesus to do what the law and the priest could not do. The leper's faith said, I need healing. I can't do it myself. The priest can't do anything for me. But Jesus, Jesus, I'm confident that Jesus can actually do something for me because he's the great healer. He can do what the priest and the law cannot do. So how is this relevant for us? Leprosy is a picture and symbol of our sin problem that needs to be cleansed. Most of us don't need to be healed of our skin disease, but every one of us need help with our sin problem. We've all rejected God. We've all turned from Him. We've all gone our own way. We've all desired to live our own selfish life. But because Christ came, we can repent of our sins and have faith in Him. And our life can change. So we all need help outside of ourselves. 
None of us can do this on our own. Now, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, you can look that up later today. Jesus casts out spirits and He heals those who are sick. Then Matthew tells us Jesus did all this to fulfill a prophecy of Isaiah 53, 4. He took on our illnesses and bore our diseases. All disease is a symptom of a much greater problem, our sin problem. Whenever you witness Jesus' healing, you cannot stop there. There's more to it than just that. The healings point to the root issue, which is our sin problem. Jesus can deal with our sin. The good news of the gospel is that we're all sinners and rebels, and yet Jesus came to those who have a desperate posture and know they need help from a Savior. So if you came desperate today... I've got good news for you. Jesus is ready to help you today. So don't leave today wondering if there's help for you. I've got a great Redeemer to offer you who is here to say, I can rescue you from your sin. You don't have to be trapped in your sin anymore. There is real hope for you in Christ. And that's the hope that you need this day. In Christ, there is forgiveness for sins. Jesus can make us clean through His cleansing blood. In His blood, all our sins can be washed away. So the leper made a request, a desperate request for Jesus' help. He was willing to violate the law and come close. Come close because he was confident that Jesus had the power to change his life. Now we've got to see what Jesus is going to do in response. Point number two, we witness Jesus is compassionate. Cleansing, verse 41 and 42. Verse 41, the text says, moved with pity. Jesus is motivated with pity, or other translations use the word compassion. Jesus is a compassionate and merciful Savior. Out of his compassion, Jesus responds to sinners with cleansing power. So if you are here today and you feel trapped in your sin, so maybe you're prideful. Maybe you've been struggling with anger. Maybe you committed some kind of sexual sin. Maybe you were lying. Maybe big lies or small lies. Maybe, like me, you were impatient this week. Whatever it is, I got good news for you. Jesus is merciful, He's compassionate, and He's here for you. If you're despairing in your sin, and you don't see a way out, and you're just not sure what to do about it, turn to Jesus. Because you have a merciful and compassionate Savior waiting for you to help you, rescue you from your sin. Jesus says to the leper, I will be clean. And He says to you, there is no sin beyond my reach. And He says to you, turn from your sin and give your life to me. And he says to you, I can forgive your sins and give you a clean conscience. So there is hope in Christ today. You don't have to fight your sins on your own. Jesus is here to help you because forgiveness is full and it's free. So kids, where are you? I see you here. There you are. I love that you're here with us here today. I got a homework assignment for you. You ready? I've got a conversation I want you to have with your parents today at lunch or this afternoon. 
I'm going to give you two options, two things that you can talk about with your parents. The first one, I want you to ask your parents where they've seen God's compassion and mercy in their life. Ask them where they've seen God's compassion and mercy in their life. Let them tell you about their own life and how that's shown up. Or, number two, I just want you to ask them, what is forgiveness and why is it so important? I want you to have a great conversation with your parents about that. So the, in, in preparation for being here with you all, I took an informal survey of, of the members in D.C., posted it on our social, and I asked them this question. I said, what's the hardest thing to clean in your house? I was really surprised because I got 50 responses. I wasn't expecting that many people to respond. Any guesses? What's the hardest thing to clean in your house? What do people say? Well, a couple, I hear a couple of you saying, it was the stovetop in the oven. Oh, the kitchen, you say? <laughs> okay, well, stovetop oven, stovetop in the oven was number one. Number two was the bathtub in the bathroom. The third one surprised me. It was the exterior of your windows. I wasn't expecting that one. And then one young single guy threw in his cheese grater. Clearly, he's not done much cleaning in his house. <laughs> if he lists the cheese grater, it's the hardest thing to clean in his home. Okay, back to the oven. There are dried-in spills, there are crumbs, there's lots of grime. And the problem is, when you clean the oven, you got to get dirty. <laughs> there's all kinds of things if you cooked in that oven for a long time, caked in and baked into that oven. you got to get into the grime. There's just no way of avoiding of getting dirty in order to clean that thing out. So you'll get contaminated with the grime. Same thing with leprosy. If you come in contact with a leper, you're contaminated. The unclean leper makes you unclean. That's how it works. If you were an Israelite, you stayed away from the leper for fear of being contaminated. In fact, if a leper was walking through the community or anywhere around, he had to, or she had to declare, unclean, unclean, so the people could stay away and themselves not become unclean. Well, back to the text. Look there, verse 41. Notice something that's shocking. Mark slows down the camera, and he includes a really important detail that he didn't have to include in the text. Jesus touches the leper. No one touches a leper. No one touches a leper because they'll become contaminated. But when the Holy One comes on the scene, when the Divine One shows up and touches the unclean, they become clean. Everything is changed. Nothing is the same anymore. Jesus' holiness was more contagious than this man's leprosy. The ceremonial law has highlighted the problems, and finally, the true solution has come. The love and power of a divine Savior rescues the leper, and the ceremonial law is now fulfilled in the law of love. And in the end, Jesus' love wins. Jesus' love wins and conquers everything. Look there at verse 42. Notice the word immediately. Immediately, the leprosy left him. 
Even disease submits itself to an all-powerful king of the universe. The leper was healed and made clean, not by human priestly ceremonial pronouncement, but by a divine high priest of the new covenant who has the power to heal disease and cleanse sin. So Jesus, as a divine and holy one, declares the leper clean. The unclean is now clean, and disease submits itself to Jesus. Now, what happened next is surprising because Jesus sends the leper directly to the priests. That's point number three. We see the leper's healing and cleansing go public, and there is a visible vindication of Jesus' gospel work and a confrontation of the priest's unbelief. Look there, verse 43. Mark tells us, Jesus sternly charged him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Jesus didn't want the people to be preoccupied with the signs of the kingdom, rather the king of the kingdom. That's what he wanted, them to know about him and to understand who he was. Far too many people today are tempted by signs and wonders and miracles rather than Jesus himself. So the prosperity gospel has ravages, has ravaged churches throughout our country. There are prosperity preachers that spend most of their time telling people about those signs and wonders and miracles rather than Jesus himself. And that's terrible. It's absolutely terrible because it's leading so many people astray. So if you ever hear a preacher hold out a promise of a sign over a miracle, of a sign or a miracle, and they don't tell you about Jesus, then run away. Run in the exact opposite direction. In Leviticus 14, the Mosaic law commands sacrifices to be made. Look there at verse 44. Jesus tells the leper, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. The priests offered sacrifices as a part of declaring the healed leper is now clean. So Jesus sends his healed leper to present himself before the priest. Now, why is that? Why would Jesus do that? Well, I think he sends the leper to the priest in order to make sure that the requirements of the law are fulfilled, the requirements in Leviticus 14. But it's more than just that. Jesus sent the leper because the healing and cleansing was incriminating proof against the priests. Verse 44, the word for tells us the ground or reason why Jesus sent the leper to the priest. What does the verse say? The verse says, for a proof to them. It can also be translated for a proof against them. The very first step in Leviticus 14 is the priest would examine the leper to see if he was healed. Now imagine with me, the leper shows up healed to the priest at the temple And the priest comes out to examine him and says, you're healed. How did this happen? And the leper said, Jesus, the traveling evangelist, he healed me. And in his unbelief, the priest looks at the leper and says, Jesus, that backwater preacher from Galilee, he healed you? Impossible. He couldn't have healed you. He responds in disbelief because if the priest had determined a healing had taken place but denied the source of the healing, 
that it was Jesus, then the priest would face judgment for his unbelief on the last day. That's why Jesus told the leper to go to the priest, because it was proof for the priest that God was doing a new thing, a healing of lepers, a cleansing of sin, a redeeming Savior has come. It was the proof to the priest that Jesus had the power to cleanse. Therefore, Jesus was divine, and He was the Son of God. If the priest acknowledged the leper's healing and cleansing, he'd be admitting that Jesus is divine, that Jesus has the power to do what the priest could not do. Now, we're in the same position of the priests today. We can either acknowledge Jesus for who He is, for what He's done for us, or we can deny Him. So if you're not a follower of Christ and you've gathered with us here today, let me just say to you, welcome. I'm thrilled that you're here with God's people on a Sunday morning. Now, you may not have expected me to compare you to a priest, but here we go. The same decision that the priest had to make and facing the reality of what Jesus did for that leper is the same decision that you have to make. Is Jesus really the Son of God? Is He really divine? Did God the Father send Him to rescue us from our sins? Is He the only Savior of the world? Is He the one who will change our life? It's the same decision you have to make in your own life. Because like those priests, you have to either choose belief in Jesus or unbelief and doubting really who He is. That's the opportunity that you have today. So if, if that's a question for you, I'd love to talk to you as I stand at the back door after the service. Or the good news is, you're surrounded by Christians. <laughs> so you can turn to almost anyone around you and ask them after this service, can you tell me about Jesus? And I think they would be glad to tell you who Jesus is and what he's done for you. If you're wrestling with any of these questions, I want you to come talk to us because we really want you to know this good news of Jesus Christ. What every one of us needs is God-given belief in Jesus, that He's divine, that He's the Son of God, that He's the high priest of the new covenant who has come to give us a better and more eternal way. Now, the priests will be surprised and their unbelief exposed as they examine the leper, and they'll be forced to either believe in Jesus or stand condemned on the last day because of their unbelief. But it turns out the leper is not only going to bear witness to the priest, but also to the entire community. That brings us to point number four. We'll see the consequence of the leper's disobedience. Jesus becomes an outcast for us. Look there at verse 45. The leper went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. Now remember in verse 44, Jesus had told the leper to not say anything to anyone. After the leper visits the priest, he goes out and tells the whole community. What does verse 45 say? He began to talk freely about it. He said he spread the news, or I would rephrase that, he spread the story widely. Now, here's how I wrestled with the text. On the one hand, the leper had this, this transformative experience with Jesus, this life-changing experience with the Savior. And so, when you encounter the goodness of God in that way, how can you not help but go out and tell other people about what you have experienced? 
How can you actually remain silent if you've had that kind of experience? That's the one side of the text. But on the other hand, is the leper disobeying Jesus? Well, yes. Jesus just told him to not tell anyone. Life is complicated, isn't it? Here's our warning for today. You don't want to live in disobedient to Jesus. Are you knowingly disobeying what Jesus is asking of you today? If Jesus tells us to be silent, we must be quiet. If Jesus tells us to deal with our anger, we've got to get control of our anger. If Jesus tells us to go out into all the world and tell others about him, we need to obey. Go out and tell others about him. Now, some of us disobeying Jesus is because we've gone through periods of being hurt or bitter or disappointed. So maybe you've been waiting on God. It just seems like he hasn't answered your prayers. Or maybe you've had a difficult interaction with another Christian and it just hasn't gone well and you've really struggled to come back to dealing with that relationship or reading your Bible or really dealing with anything in regards to church community. So you're tempted to just not to listen to God anymore. Well, disobedience to Jesus is dangerous for your soul. If you're here today and you're knowingly living in disobedience to Christ let me invite you to repent. Turn from that disobedience. Turn back to God, and there's great hope for you because there's a real beauty in being obedient to Christ. It's beautiful to follow the Savior and what His plan is for you. So I want to invite you to obey. I want to invite you to trust Him, that He's got a good plan for you, and He knows better what your life can be than you know for yourself. Don't stay disobedient. Come talk to me or any of the shepherds that are here today. Now, my dear beloved saints, I see a number of you here at the second service. You've walked with Jesus for many decades. You've tasted the realities of heaven. As you know, days are potentially numbered. You want to do everything to be obedient to your king until the very end. Well, I've got a question I want you to wrestle with today at lunch. As you're talking with each other or others, I want you to think about what would obedience look like as you finish the race? Just what would it mean for you to finish well? What would it look like to obey Christ to the very end? Have a good conversation this afternoon about that. Now, verse 45 is interesting. The text does not tell us what the leper said to the people. If the leper told the people about the signs and wonders and miracles, they would flock to Jesus for all the wrong reasons. And that's probably what makes most sense of the text, because earlier Jesus warned him not to say anything to anyone. Verse 45, you also see those words, so that, which tells us the result. Jesus could no longer enter the town openly, but instead had to go to lonely and remote places. Our beloved Savior does not care about prominence. He does not care about popularity. He does not care about significance. He has no ego. So none of those things that typically matter to us matter to Him at all. 
He has no problem going to remote and lonely places if that's what's needed. Jesus absorbs the foolish disobedience of the leper, and interesting, the leper started as an outcast, and now the Savior becomes the outcast. Jesus becomes a social outcast because of the leper's sin. Jesus takes on our foolishness and becomes an outcast for us. Therein we find the gospel yet again. We mess up, but our perfect Savior who takes on our sins of foolishness and disobedience can reconcile us back to God the Father because that's what He came to do. Just like the leper's foolishness and disobedience, we have to face our own by turning from our sin and turning back to Christ. But because He died, we can be forgiven and we can be made clean. Well, we should conclude. This leper is an evangelist for the wrong reasons. Fast forward to 2023. You and I stand on the other side of the cross. We're evangelists for all the right reasons. The fact that we are made clean through Jesus should provoke the people around you that they are unclean and can be made clean through Him. You can hold out to others the life-changing, cleansing power of Jesus and invite desperate people to come to Him. The old covenant and the law was sufficient to condemn, but not to save. Jesus is the great high priest of a better covenant and a better way, an eternal way. So Jesus has the power to cleanse and forgive and save. Are you willing to come to him today? Are you willing to go out and tell others about him? There is great hope in this Savior. Let's pray together. Lord, we exalt you as king of the universe. We know even disease has to submit to you. We know that there's nothing beyond your power. We know that you can make us clean through your blood. And so we ask you to do that today, to help us to trust in you and to have faith in you. We pray in your son's name. Amen.